0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 1143 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's podcast is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and, subscribe and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't want or that you don't need, and you can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast will break down what became a pretty thrilling win for the Hawks, all things considered, on the road in Philadelphia by a final score... Of 98-96, it was close fought, it was back and forth, and the Hawks overcame a lot of adversity between the roster situation and the protocols and injuries during this game, and uh, they gave a big lead along the way as well, but the win was uh, really a nice, I would say gratifying one for Hawks fans. I know a lot of people sort of enjoyed this one, um, getting this win before Christmas. The Hawks had lost four of the previous five games and seven of the last ten coming into the night. They sort of erased that, and by the way, they've now won six games in a row on the road, They're not playing well at home right now, that's for sure. But on the road, they've been awesome lately. And uh, per Elias Sports, Atlanta is the first team since the 2002 Detroit Pistons to follow up seven straight road losses, which happened earlier this season, including on that West Coast trip with 6 straight road victories. So, a lot of weirdness going on with the Sox team, but it happened. They led by 19 points in the first half, kind of gave it up along the way, but um, back and forth, and they kind of just outdueled a healthier uh, team playing at home in Philadelphia with their best players. Joel B played in this game, etc. So, we'll get into all of that, but a nice, nice win, and some uh, heroics from Bogdanovich down the stretch, and Reddish early in the game, and Collins, and Okongwu, et etc. And we'll get into all of that momentarily. But first... Um, Pre-game stuff uh, it was obviously quite busy. Again, if you've been paying attention to the NBA at all, or yesterday's podcast from us, or Monday's podcast, or anything like that, you would know that um, basically nothing is normal right now in the NBA world. And the Hawks had a similar situation that they had to Wednesday night. Um, Trey Young, Capella, Kevin Herter, Danielle Gallinari, Lou Williams, and TLC, all the protocols coming into the day, so they're still out in this game. McMillan said pre-game, and actually said it again after the game. That they were actually thinking Kevin Herter might be able to play in this game. Um, he was ruled out yesterday, uh, but he said after the game that he was actually waiting outside, basically in a car, waiting to see if he had a, a negative test to play. I'm not sure what the deal is with her because, you know, normally if a guy enters the protocol, which he did yesterday, he was the last guy to enter, I don't know how he would possibly test out, so I'm not sure if it was not a, not a positive test for what's going on there with Kevin, but McMillan said it multiple times, so I'm not really sure what's happening there. But anyway, those guys are out in this game, and they actually added Sharif Cooper before tip-off into the protocols as well. So he missed this game as well. Plus Hunter and Solomon Hill still out with injuries. So coming into the night, the Hawks had 11 active players available in this game, even after signing Wes Awundu. That's with seven guys in the protocols. And honestly, 11 guys being active sounds better than it probably is because they had three, three of those uh, 10-day replacement players, plus three guys who have been in the G League for most of the season in Johnson, Cooper, and Mays. But, you know, Cooper was removed. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, missing a, missing a lot of guys, we'll say. And then during the night, they actually had two injuries um, sustained to Delan Wright and Cam Reddish, who both had to leave the game and couldn't return, plus restricted minutes for guys like Donovich and Akongwu as they returned from injury. So, man, a pretty brutal situation for the Hawks coming in. And with that said, our friends at AG. Actually, had the Hawks as eleven point underdogs in this game, and that was actually pretty reasonable. Philadelphia was missing some guys; they were actually have four guys in the protocols too, and they're all like rotation caliber players: Andre Drummond, George Niang, Danny Green, Shaq Milton. But none of those guys were their best three or four players. You know, they still had Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey, etc. So. Uh, advantage Philadelphia on paper at home, plus the rest advantage as well as the Hawks are the back-to-back, etc. And that large spread was definitely, uh, you know, not unwarranted, but the Hawks didn't care about that in this game, nor nor should they. And they were able to build a big lead, give it up, and still win this game. So uh, we'll dive in now. And the Hawks actually started out very hot. They scored the first seven points of the night and led 21-7. to They started Kong Wu in this game, and he was awesome, by the way. Um... But it was really Reddish and Collins in the early going. Collins had nine points in the first four and a half minutes, um, and then Reddish, Reddish had six points as well. They had the first fifteen points combined, and that comes after last night when actually the first three quarters they had forty one of the first sixty one points for the Hawks as well. So it's a clear top two in terms of like shot creation stuff right now for the Hawks with with what they've had available, plus by the coming off the bench. But um, you know that was kind of the impetus at the outset that the combo got going. After that had a nice play where Mays hit Collins with a Kongwu on a short roll pass for a dunk and uh, he was very good. The Hawks actually opened this game ten of fifteen from the floor, and Philadelphia was uh sluggish out of the gate as well. Rotationally, they had Bogdanovich coming off the bench in this game, um, because of the restriction mostly. Um, and then you have um, he came in for Skylar Mays and they actually brought in Gorgie Jang for a Kongwu shortly after that. Um, Wessa Wundu got the call. Um, actually played before Stevenson and more than Stevenson in this game. And Malcolm Hill has not played still. He's been the only guy that's not played for the Hawks that's been signed during this time. But the Hawks led by as many as 19 late in the first quarter before Philadelphia scored the last five points to go down by 14 in the first quarter. But still... A very positive opening quarter. The Hawks scored about a point and a half for possession, which is excellent. They got to the line. No turnovers at all, which is definitely worth noting. And then defensively, they held Philadelphia to 13 points on their first 20 possessions, which is terrible offense. Um, so, kudos to the Hawks for that. They ended up shooting still poorly despite the uh, last two shots going in for Philadelphia. Um, beyond the gameplay in the second quarter... One of the more interesting parts of the second quarter and really the whole night was Travis Schlenk joining the broadcast on Valley Sports Southeast because he did an extended interview um, for some background. The legend himself, Bob Rathbun, is a good friend of mine. and. Uh, Uh, in front of this podcast as well. Tested positive for COVID before the game, at least according to the broadcast. And Lauren Javara stepped in to be the play-by-play person. But Travis ended up doing almost an entire quarter and being very open, like doing a lot of like play-by-play and like play diagnostics and um, some really candid basketball observations, which you don't often see from from an executive. So that was interesting to kind of hear Travis talk for that long about basketball without much interruption. At any rate, um, as far as the game itself was concerned... Um, they had Collins and right play the entire first quarter. And they actually had to come out from there. They finally started turning the ball over um, in the first quarter. They had no turnovers. The second quarter, they had seven, which is not what you want in a quarter. Philly kind of chipped away at the lead as a result of that. Um, they had two shot clock violations, including one where Jalen Johnson just kind of kind of just forgot the time. I thought uh, pretty obviously. They flashed a zone on defense, kind of a three seconds call, uh, pretty quickly as well. So it was kind of a mess in the second quarter overall. Philadelphia had a ten to four stretch where they got down to eight. Um, a couple of nice passes from McCongwood though but I want to make sure I pointed out he had a great pass to Collins for an easy bucket the Hawks scored 6 points in about 6 minutes and the first stretch without Collins on the floor was pretty brutal they just kind of had nothing going after a very positive first quarter and overall it was a 30-12 to run by Philadelphia to go from down 19 to down by 1 uh, mid to late in the second quarter and then Collins got 3 fouls in pretty short order the, the last one was a pretty a bad decision by John you know his whistles always unfriendly in my mind the third foul was his fault. It was a take foul. He shouldn't have given that, and then Nate took him out of the game. So um, that was a factor at different times. They ended up being tied at the half because of a couple of bad turnovers down the stretch of the half as well. And honestly, that felt pretty, um, I would say, dismal, given the, the way the Hawks played early. To be up 19 in the first half and then be tied at halftime with their depleted roster, that felt like it was going to not go the right way. Obviously, that was wrong, but um, it, kind of a bad second quarter, let should say. Um, 0 of 8 from three in the second quarter. They did win the glass, and the Congo was really good, I thought. But the Hawks, after after opening 10 of 15 from the floor, they were 20, 10 of 29 from the floor the rest of the half, which obviously cooled off quite a bit. And then Philadelphia got to the line a ton and had 15 fast break points in the first half. That's more than teams average for a full game, just for, just for reference. So there's some transition issues there. Um, defensively, they were, I thought, pretty solid overall, both in the game and the first half, but, um, being dead even, again, not what you want at that point in time. Um, and some of the bench units were just not particularly effective. And really for the whole game, as we get into later on, the bench lineups were uh, not very good, let's just say. But they were able to overcome that, which was, uh, of course, pivotal in this contest. Um, we're going to get into a lot of stuff about the third quarter, fourth quarter, and some individual observations and sort of context for this very nice win for the Hawks. Before we do all of that, we're from our sponsor today's podcast, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. PrizePix Picks is daily fantasy made easy, I love it, and I know that you will too. PrizePix is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of. In football, it's yardage, touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Price Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone. You can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. Also, you have the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all of the insights and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all the edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and you can find out today. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. There's more power to save with Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage is not available everywhere and for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. All right, we'll dive into the second half now. And, uh, of course, it was tied, which was, again, frustrating. But... Um, not great signs early, early in the third quarter with uh, four points in a row by the Sixers to go up by four. And then Collins got his fourth foul. With about nine and a half minutes to go in the third quarter, that was uh, not good in terms of ominous nature in there because he had been their best player in the first half, probably, and uh, one of those things where uh, you know you kind of have to navigate life without him without with, with like a Wundu and Bogdanovich playing a little bit quickly uh, quicker than they probably wanted to in the third quarter, and they sat him for the entire quarter, which is kind of overkill in my mind. Um, it's something I've said before but Nate kind of is too cautious with the benching of guys with foul trouble, but alas. There, there it was. Uh, there was an 11-0 run, though, by the Hawks in response to that, with Cam Reddish having 8 of the 11 points, and then the other three by DeLon Wright on a nice catch-and-shoot three, where he was pretty aggressive. That's good to see from him. He's been too hesitant this year, too many times. But Cam got to the line four times in that run, which is good to see. He was very aggressive. I actually, I'll say this again later, I, should, I should actually thought that Cam was better tonight before he got injured than he actually when he was in last night's game. And that's night's game, he had his career high in points, so it was kind of interesting to kind of see that um, dichotomy. But... Um, Cam rolled his ankle, about six minutes left in the third quarter, was hobbling pretty visibly, had to come out of the game, the Hawks had said initially that it was a right ankle sprain, but he was available to return, he came back in the game, and then he seemed to be pretty clearly not 100%, like, pretty hobbling still, then took himself out of the game again, walked toward the locker room, but then stayed in the game, because there was a stoppage, he was able to walk back on the court, I don't know why the Hawks left him in the game, he was very obviously not able to run at full speed, and he had gone, again, like halfway to the locker room. But he was deep into the tunnel, and they let him stay in the game, which was a little bit strange. And then, I mean, seconds later, he had to come out again. He pulled himself out again. Um, he was questionable return from there with a right ankle sprain and what the Hawks were calling left calf cramp, with um, probably from overcompensating a little bit. Uh, that's just me guessing. But... After the game, uh, Nate said it was more of an issue with the cramp. So not, not worried about the ankle right now. That's probably a good sign overall. But it was very clear that Cam should not be coming back in the game. I would, thought it was probably a misstep to have him play at all in that minute or to, minute or so. Um, you know, fortunately, nothing bad happened there. But um, he never came back in the game. He was ruled out in the fourth quarter at one point. So they lo- they had to play the last eighteen minutes or so without Cam Reddish, should have been their best wing to that point. Um, there was some moments by Wessowunu that were not the best on offense. I think he played well defensively, to be fair, but he had a bad fast-break layup. He had some ugly moments with the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter. Obviously, he's a 10-day guy that they just signed, and I like that move, actually. But he, you know, defensively, he's pretty solid. But offensively, does not give you a whole lot at that point in time. Pretty back and forth for most of the third quarter. It was a great actual pass by DeLon Wright to Scholar Mays on a cut who finished for a three-point play with two seconds left to go back to go up by four at the end of the third quarter. So all that they won the fourth quarter sorry they won the third quarter by 4 points and uh, were shooting and scoring reasonably well despite Bogdanovich was 0 of 10 from 3 Um uh, sorry 0 of 10 from the floor in through three quarters and the, and the team overall was 6 of 21 from 3 and they were still scoring at an above average rate which is kind of weird but offensive rebounds and you know all that stuff they were kind of put pressure on the rim with um, some physicality etc um Collins comes back to open the fourth quarter which was an obvious move after he set the entire third quarter but Akangwu I'd already played a lot of minutes, and honestly, I'm tempted to think that, that Kongwu probably exceeded his minutes limit in this game. He ended up playing 34 minutes. I can't imagine that's what he was supposed to be playing in this game, but maybe maybe he was. But um, they actually had to use Stevenson, Mays, and Awundu together, which is not going to work very well. Um, and it didn't at that one point in time. They did lead by 6 with about 10 minutes to go. Uh, then they, they, they actually stopped scoring. They had 1 point in about 6 possessions offensively, and Philadelphia took the lead with about 7 minutes to go. And in the middle of that, Delon Wright got hurt as well and had to be helped to the locker room. The Hawks were calling that a left ankle sprain. He looked to be in pretty significant pain and had to be helped off the floor. So it's an ankle sprain that could be anything, as we talked about a lot in the in the last couple weeks about on that on the podcast. But that could be a two-week injury. It could be a three-day injury. It could be a six-week injury ankle sprains are notoriously difficult. You know, but just missed a bunch of time. Um, you know, it's interesting to kind of diagnose that, but he's going to be out for some length of time. I'd imagine. I can't imagine him. He'll be playing on Saturday, given the pain that he was in. Maybe I'd be wrong about that. I'd be happy to be wrong about that, but um, he looked to be in some real pain. So we'll see what happens there with Delon. but they had to navigate the rest of the game again. You know, last night, their two most prominent perimeter players in the game against Orlando were Delon Wright and Cam Reddish. They played 39 and 42 minutes respectively, and both guys left the game with injuries in this spot, which means they're playing guys that were totally different from last night. And uh, that's a challenge, obviously. They closed with Stevenson and Mays for the most part. Um, and then they actually had to go to McDonavich um, in place of, uh, actually, Mays and McDonavich. And then they kind of got, went with a wound over Stevenson, which is kind of surprising to me on the stretch. But alas. Um, I thought Mays was very good, honestly. We'll come back to him later on. But he had a great finish with uh, to give him the lead with about six minutes to go. And rebounded the ball really well. Played really physically. They didn't score very well. For a wide stretch of time, they scored three points in about five and a half minutes, and the only bucket was that Skylar Mays layup. But um, this is where Philadelphia, who did struggle in this game, you know, kind of independent of the Hawks in some respects as well, they let the Hawks off the hook. You know, a lot of times if the Hawks or anybody in their position with, with the talent level they had go cold for that long in the fourth quarter, they're going to be down by too much to come back. But Philadelphia just kind of stalled in their own right. So the Hawks were still trailing, they were down by four, but it could have been much worse than that. They were able to fade that from that point in time. And then uh, right on cue, Maze gets, lo- gets to the rim, I should say, and scores. And then McDonavich finally makes a three with 3.44 to go. And at that point, and I tweeted this out, this is evidence, Bogey was 0 of 13 from the floor and o of 8 from three. Again, 0 of 13 from the floor and o of 8 from three. He makes a three with, like, four minutes to go. The Sixers then turned it over twice in a row and Bogey made two more jump shots in a row. So... Uh, all told, he made four consecutive jump shots plus a technical foul free throw. So again, he had not he had not gotten uh, anything to go the entire game. He, I think he had five points from the, from the free throw line. But he made four jumpers in a row after missing the first 13. That was huge at that, spo- at that spot. Gave the Hawks the lead. Um, and also, Tyrese Maximus missed an open three. That was a big swing toward the Hawks from Philadelphia. Philly finally scored, and the Hawks actually had a shot clock, shot clock violation in the last minute, which was not good. But it wasn't the worst thing in the world, honestly, because they burned so much time off the clock. Um, with about a minute to go, they were still up by four with 37 seconds to go. Then they, uh, they actually Collins got called for a foul against Embiid. Nate challenged it, I think, smartly, lost the challenge, but Embiid gets to the line, makes both, and the Hawks are up now two with 29 seconds to go. So it's obviously pretty tight at that point, and you only get one, one possession. If you if you score, game probably over. If you don't score, the door is open for Philadelphia. So it was another just kind of broken possession late. That's part of the problem with not having too much creation on the floor at that point is that they doubled Bogdanovich smartly, and he, he had been so hot, but he couldn't even get a shot off. He throws it to a woundu late in the shot clock who just has no idea what to do there. Catches it late, almost turns it over, and then just kind of threw something at the rim and airballed it pretty badly. I don't know why he was out there, to be honest. I mean, I think defensively he does give you a lot, but I think Lance, even though I'm not the biggest Lance Stevenson guy, um, probably gives you a little bit more on offense at that point in time, but alas. Um Long story short, the Hawks are up two, but there's time for Philadelphia to either tie or win the game. 5.4 seconds to go, and Philadelphia runs a kind of a broken set, but Embiid um, gets a kick-out pass and has like a very open 17-ish footer for the tie and just misses it. That's a shot that he makes a lot, and uh, he just missed it. So the Hawks escape. And uh, it was a wild one down the stretch. It could have gone either way for sure. And um, had they lost that game after being up six in the final you know, minute and a half, it would have been pretty stinging, I, I think, just because of the effort that they, had, that they had to put in. But they ended up escaping with the win, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So um, broad strokes here. Offensively, it was actually pretty good in terms of overcoming the bad shooting they were 724 from from three and 16 turnovers is way too many so it wasn't like they were good on offense in this game but they did enough given who the, pers- the personnel was it was totally fine offensively um got to the lineup a bunch as well which was which is very helpful defensively they were pretty solid i mean the only thing that the hawks don't do very well defensively um all as a whole is first is forced for turnovers and they didn't do that in this game at all i feel like I got to the line a lot but they clamped down and transitioned in the second half. That was good to see. Philadelphia was 22% from three in this game as well. So I think it was a very acceptable to good defensive effort. And uh, just kind of solidish on both ends of the floor. Was it always consistent? No. Was it always great? No. But it wasn't pretty by any means, but they had enough. You know, Early, it was Akongwu and Collins and Reddish. When Reddish and Wright went down, um, it was a lot of Mays and Bogdanovich going crazy in the fourth quarter. So... We'll get into all that later in terms of player stuff, but uh, it was a team wide effort. The Hawks had six guys in double figures in this game, and they had to have all six. Uh, it was not exactly like anybody dominated. You know, John had 17 points, Kim had 18 points, et cetera. But uh, a balanced win, a team win. It's a bad loss for Philly, to be honest, because they were uh, much more healthy and playing at home. But if you're, uh, you know, just the Hawks only angle here, it's a nice win. I mean, people were asking me if it's the best one of the season. I don't know how you quantify that because, like, you know, winning as a 11 point underdog is. Awesome. Um, does it like mean the most? I don't. I would say no because it was kind of such a weird, such a weird situation. But uh, it was one of the better wins of the season, let's just say, in terms of just like continuity and excitement. They were definitely happy about the game uh, after it, and they were pretty fired up in advance of Christmas. So all that said, a nice one at the office for the Hawks in this game. We'll get to much more on this one because of the player stuff in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million dollars. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Go right now to truebill.com slash locked on NBA. It could save you thousands per year. truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Okay, and we'll get to the players now. The Hawks had ten guys appear in this game. They had eleven guys active. Malcolm Hill has not been active for two games. Has not played neither of them. No huge surprise there. He's kind of the lowest profile of the guys that they signed. But um, worth noting that the Hawks finished this game with eight active players because both Wright and Reddish were unable to finish the contest. Jalen Johnson was the odd man out. He did not play in the second half. He played five minutes overall, scoreless. Um, had a foul, but nothing else in the in the, uh, in the scorebook other than a missed shot. And people were surprised by this or maybe frustrated by it. I know Hawks fans I saw tweeting at me and tweeting at other people about this. Um, I think it's okay. You know, I think Jalen Johnson, I understand the pedigree and the talent, but he's not helping them win right now. And that's gonna spend the whole thing, the whole time with Nate, and he's this is why he's not playing. But it's not as if he's played well. I mean and it's to be fair to Jalen, it's these two or three short stints where he's kind of in a bad situation. But Number one, he's been playing only as a big. Number two, he's not been playing well. So, um, you know, they didn't have to use him because if you can get, as they did in this game, they got 48 minutes from Kongwu and Jang and another 30 at center, I should say, and another 31 from Collins. They played some Awundu. I guess if you want to have one complaint, it would be that maybe he plays some some over a Wundo at the four. That would have been fine with me. But, um, you know, Awundu is more of a vet and kind of knows where to be. And Jalen is a rookie and he's not ready to go right now. So all that said... Uh, it, it wasn't good in his, in his minutes, but nothing to uh, take away too much from that. Uh, Lance Stevenson didn't play very much in this game, which I was okay with. I was kind of surprised. I actually thought that they that actually, that might start Lance in this game. Um, not because he should have. I would have I would have started Skyler as well. But, um, you know, he, he seems to like Lance quite a bit in his comments. But Lance had four fouls, didn't do much. Played def- defense decently, but offensively just kind of killed them in some respects. Uh, Gorgie Jang. Had some moments, for sure. He was pretty bad in the first half, I thought, actually, but was better after that. 12 points in 14 minutes for Gorgie. I got, got the line for four attempts, made two of five from three. He took two bad shots that were uh, very aggressive in nature, but I thought Gorgie uh, did his job for the most part. He wasn't good, by any means, in terms of, like, compared to Okongwu, who was a lot better than him. That's pretty clear. But uh, Jane did his job in 14 minutes. Like, you know, that's it is what it is. Um... Awundu, as I talked about it before, defensively I thought was pretty solid, made some nice plays, but offensively it was an adventure. A couple of bad turnovers, at least one bad turnover that he was credited with, one bad fast break, which he kind of uh, gacked up a bad shot. Uh, five rebounds, though, and active enough defensively. There you go. But again, like at the end of this contest, they were having to choose between Awundu and Lance to close the game, which is just wild. Those guys were not on the team two days ago, so that's where we are in terms of the entire league right now, but alas. Um, and then finally on the, on the bench, Bogdanovich had this bizarre night. So I talked about it earlier, but he started this game, 0 of 13 from three, and 0 of 8 from from uh, sorry 0 of 13 from the floor and 0 of 8 from three. He finished the game 4 of 17 from the floor. So he made his last four shots, uh, one of which was the three, and the other, the other three I believe were all like mid range, like not easy shots, like 17 footers with guys in his face. So you know was he <laughs> was he good in this game? No. But I think that the threat of him, as I've said before, and I might have even said last night, the threat of having McDonoughich out there offensively does help the offense, whether he's making shots or not. Now is he good enough to overcome O of thirteen? Probably not. But um, you know, five rebounds, two assists. They were still better with him with him on the floor for the most part, and uh, he gives them that element they don't necessarily have. But I will say this: they don't win the game tonight without McDonoughich going crazy in the fourth quarter. Uh, he was he definitely hurt them before that because of all the all the missed shots, but. Um, given how shorthanded they were without Cam and even without the lawn and that steady hand, they didn't really have <laughs> too much of a nuclear option. And McDonavich gave it to him in the, in the uh, closing minutes. So, uh, kudos to him, I guess, for that. Uh, to the starters, all five guys in the starting lineup were plus and the plus minus in this game, um, and they all played a bunch. So, we'll go with the lawn right first because he had to leave this game. Actually, he ended up playing. The most minutes on the team, despite leaving the game, with six minutes left. I think DeLon was going to play like 39, 40 minutes again after he did last night. I thought he was good in this game, honestly. People were, uh, I think, forgetting that or maybe just willfully ignoring it because they're not big fans of DeLon, right? I totally get that. Not a huge scorer. With five points, six assists, had a block, had five rebounds. I thought he was good, honestly. Um, I think Skylar Mays, who we'll talk about in a second, kind of overshadowed him because he was very good as well. But I think DeLon was uh, very solid and very much a positive in this game. Uh, Mays was excellent in his first like big minutes of the entire season. He played nine minutes last night, but 33 in this game. Uh, I have long been a Skyler Mays supporter. I've kind of said multiple times on the show that I think he is much more ready to help the Hawks right now than guys like Cooper and Johnson. Uh, I think, honestly, he's better than Lou Williams right now. Do I think that he's going to play over Lou when Lou is healthy? Knowing Nate, I would say probably not. But I think that Skyler has proven to be a rotation-caliber player, which is something I say have and have said since the summer and even before that. Um, and plus, he's—he's—I know he's a second-year guy, but he's an older second-year guy. He's just a guy who's like basically a vet in a lot of respects. But 14 points, a career high, 11 rebounds for Oscar Mays, three assists, had a steal, played with physicality, um, got to got to the rim a bunch, five nine on twos, which is very solid. Uh, didn't take a ton of uh, perimeter shots, but. Played good defense, plus nine. You know, scholar was well rounded and again made a bunch of big plays in the second half, particularly when they just didn't, didn't have much going on. When, once Cam and Delon were gone, he kind of stepped in even into a bigger role and I thought played very well. Um Cam, I thought was really good in this game. I think I teased it earlier, but I think that Cam really did play better tonight than he did on Wednesday. Um 18 points, uh three assists, a rebound, and a steal. Nate even said this after the game, and Nate said, and I agree with him, his defense was much better in this game than it was last night against Orlando. Um, didn't shoot a well from three like last. That's the big difference. Last night he was six of ten from three, which kind of carried him in a lot of in a lot of ways. Tonight he was zero of three from three, but got to, got uh, seven of ten on twos, which is really nice for Cam. Got to the line for four attempts. Better defense, better floor game, and I think he was like genuinely good. The hope would be that he doesn't have to miss time with the either the ankle or the cramps. But um, you know, I think I think he was a big part of the why the Hawks had the lead in the in the first half. And also, you know, plus 13, he was, he was on the floor when a lot of the positive stuff was happening for the Hawks. And then Collins and Akong were, were both really good in this game. We'll go. We'll, we'll see save Akong for last. Collins, 17 points, 5 rebounds, assist, and a steal. Did have 5 fouls, which kind of capped his minutes a little bit. I kind of wish Nate was more aggressive with that, but we'll leave that alone for now. I thought, John, aside from the one bad take foul, um was good in this game, uh, defensively, did his job, got to the rim as he always does, like, you know, five, 2 of 2 on 3s, 5 9 on 2s, etc. It was a very typical John Collins game, he was good. And then Okongwu, I thought was, like, really, 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 really good in this game. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 3, three assists, 3 blocks, and a steal. Good physicality, good defense on Embiid. He was frustrating Embiid a little bit. Um, on paper, Embiid's a bad matchup for Kongwu because Okongwu, one of the things about him that I don't really care about too much, but people have criticized him for in the past, is a lack of, you know, true center, quote-unquote, I'm doing giant air quotes right now, uh, true center size. And I think Okongwu is a center through and through, but Embiid, along with Jokic, are pretty much the only guys in the league where you might be a little bit worried about his size, and he played great against Embiid in this game. You know, I don't think Embiid was good by his standards, regardless, but part of that was Okongwu. So, um, yeah, obviously seeing a lot of what he can do, I've always loved Kong Wu. I had him in my top five in that draft, and loved that draft pick when it happened. And uh, obviously, the injuries have uh, slowed him down a little bit, but I think he has been good since he came back from the injury. And uh, obviously, you know, his role was kind of capped with Capella around. Like, I don't think you're going to see Wu starting and playing 30 minutes a night with with Capella healthy. But I think we've definitely seen what he uh, can aspire to be and can kind of grow into be. And he was he was very good in this game. So uh, lots of positives to go around on the player side. Um, so yeah, again, at the end of this, is this particular victory, like indicative of a ton of different things? Maybe not in terms of just how bad and depleted the roster was, but the Hawks played well in terms of what they could do in this game and, uh, stealing a win on the road is, uh, always appreciated. And they won six in a row on the road at this point in time. So here's the thing. Um, it's Thursday night. It's very, very late into the evening, into Friday morning, the Hawks play a noon game on Christmas, and I'm not going to be recording another podcast between now and then. I am working on Christmas to do this podcast, so I, uh, I'm not going to script my responsibilities, but tomorrow I'm not doing another show in between. So I would recommend following me on Twitter if you want to get the latest information in terms of uh, what's going on on the injury side and the protocol side in particular. At this moment, we'd all be guessing, but as of right now, the Hawks have seven guys in the protocols, and you can't assume that any of them will be out of the protocols by Saturday. Could they be? Yes, but they have to test, po- have to test negative, I should say, twice in 24-hour period, so they got to get a negative test by, you know, probably 10 a.m. tomorrow to have any chance of playing on Saturday. It goes for any of those guys. Plus, on top of that, you got the injury stuff with now Reddish and DeLon Wright. I think we can pretty much rule out DeAndre Hunter. Um, He's not quite close yet. But um, they're going to be missing a handful of guys at minimum. So we'll see what happens. But New York is the opponent. That's a noon game. We'll have all kinds of coverage on that. And I know people won't necessarily doubt on, on Christmas in terms of the podcast. But it would be huge. For us, if you would subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about the show, I am going to record pretty much immediately after the game, and probably even more going into uh, early next week. So uh, I'll be working diligently and tweeting through it and all that fun stuff on that podcast on Saturday on Christmas because the Hawks are playing on Christmas for the first time since 1989. Is the is the setup what everybody desired? No. Is it Trey Young uh, definitely playing on Saturday? No. But uh, you know, still the Hawks are in a big time national TV spot against a rival team. On the road, MSG, the, most, the world's most, fam- most famous arena. It's still fun. Um, we'll see what happens in that game, but we'll have full coverage. Please subscribe to the podcast. Also, one more favor to ask of you before we get out of here uh, in terms of the giving spirit in advance of Christmas um, Spotify now has um, ratings. You know, Apple Podcasts for a long time has had the five star rating system. And by the way, please subscribe and uh, rate and review the podcast on Apple. But if you're a Spotify person, you can now leave a five-star rating on the podcast for Spotify. They don't have reviews yet, to my knowledge, but they do have ratings. So if you like the podcast and you're a Spotify listener, or even, or, if you, or if you just have Spotify and want to support the podcast, five-star ratings would be huge on any platform. Tell your friends. Subscribe. really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you on Christmas on this podcast. But in advance of that, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, enjoy the time with your families, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.